0: This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good morning, this is Frida Liu. You're listening to Raise Your Game. My patron has spent the last 15 years helping thousands of leaders around the globe run better businesses and live better lives. An Entrepreneurial Operating System or EOS Implementer Speaker, Payton spent five years as EOS Worldwide's Visionary and is the host of a top rated podcast, The EOS Leader. He's co-authored two books in the Traction Library, Get a Grip and Process. And he'll be in Malaysia speaking at the EO Taipan Masterclass-themed Challenge the Storm brought to you by EO Malaysia from March 15 to 17. So hello, Mike.
1: (laughs) Hello, Frida. It's great to be here.
0: It's a lovely introduction, and I'm looking forward to meeting you this week, later this week. But in a nutshell, can you share what the EOS is? and how this whole concept got started.
1: Yeah, so EOS is a simple way of operating an entrepreneurial company, creating a clear vision, sharing that vision with everybody else in your organization, making decisions about priorities, keeping score, driving accountability throughout the organization. All companies need to be good at that, and EOS is just a system that helps the leadership teams of small, privately held, rapidly growing companies do those kinds of things consistently
0: better. Right. And it sounds so simple,
1: <laughs> but it's not. It, well, it is simple, but that doesn't mean it's easy. So <laughs> so the, the way this all got started is my friend and business partner, Gino Wickman, my great mentor, started running his family business. He was called into his family business at the ripe old age of 25 and very quickly found out working alongside his father that the the company was in need of a turnaround. So he and his father and their leadership team were able to turn the company around, ran it for four and a half years after the turnaround, ultimately sold the business. And in the process of doing so, Gino actually became one of the founding members of the EO chapter in Detroit here in the United States. And he found that he had a real knack and passion for helping other EO members do the same thing in their own businesses. And that's where EOS started many, many years ago. Once Gino realized he had pulled together a complete holistic set of simple practical tools and timeless concepts that have been around for a thousand years and will be around for a thousand and more he decided to share it with the world, and that was a little less than 20 years ago. And um, since then, we've grown EOS worldwide to over 650 professional EOS implementers around the globe. There are 20,000 companies who have worked with an EOS implementer to implement EOS in their businesses. And it's growing by leaps and bounds because it's a simple set of tools that really works when the people who own and run these companies
0: want to make a difference in their business and their lives. Right. Simple but not easy. So from the six components I yeah. know you look from vision and all that right. Do you see entrepreneurs coming to you more in one component? Than others. Yeah,
1: the motivation to get help typically comes more from one of the six key components than the other five. And what I like to do when somebody asks me that question is I list the six key components and then I ask you to guess. So oh. the six key components are the vision <laughs> component, getting everybody on the same page with where you're going and how you plan to get there. The people component, you got to have great people to achieve a great vision. The data component, running the business on a handful of numbers that give you real insight and the ability to make better decisions, faster decisions. The issues component, the ability to recognize issues and solve them at the root so they go away forever. The process or process component and the traction component, the ability to instill discipline and accountability for executing on the vision. Now, I'll give you three guesses as to which one of those six key components is most frustrating and most frequently motivates an entrepreneur to reach out to somebody like me.
0: It's gotta be people. Exactly.
1: (laughs) We actually did a survey years ago when we were mystified by what might be motivating people. And we asked all the respondents to the survey who had heard about EOS or read the book or subscribed to a mailing list. You know, what is your biggest frustration in your business? 82% of the people who responded said people. And you know, what's ironic is that Often the people component in an entrepreneurial company is the strongest of the six key components at the beginning of an EOS implementation journey. So if you have 50 people in your business today and 48 of them are fit your culture like a glove and are really good at their job, it doesn't matter that it's only two. The two are frustrating the living dickens out of you. And so that's why people motivates folks to reach out most frequently.
0: Does that then depend on the issue of leadership? Well,
1: so a big part of understanding EOS implementation is recognizing that unless you're strong in all six of those key components, what's going to happen is you're going to be chasing the root cause of your issue around the EOS model. And so... You can't really strengthen the people component, for example, without strengthening the vision component, because when we strengthen the vision component, we create a set of core values for the organization that define the kind of people we want to surround ourselves with as we build this business. And we define who we are at the core organizationally and where we're going long term. And we have to use that clear definition of our vision and plan to create clarity for everybody else in the organization about what we're trying to accomplish here and what their roles are and helping us accomplish those things. And so it's unfair to say to a brand new employee who you haven't explained anything about your business to, hey, Sally, I want you to be really good at your job tomorrow, because that's leadership. Leadership is helping them understand what we're trying to do and what their role is. And all the other components, make us better at that part of our jobs as owners, leaders, and managers.
0: Okay. You know what's happened the last two years with the pandemic, the (laughs) great resignation? Does this have an impact in the way the model works?
1: It certainly affects the way people within organizations running on EOS behave, but it doesn't affect the way the model works. So, and for the record, this last couple of years have been the most confounding, challenging, unpredictable period of our time. And most people are more afraid of the world when things are unclear and feel risky than they are when things feel secure and don't feel risky. Now, I happen to believe we're, we're kidding ourselves either direction, right? That life is unpredictable, period. But The truth of the matter is your job as a leader is to figure out what's really important in your unique company. And COVID certainly affected what most of my leadership teams expect from their people. My clients who have been able to change their expectations to match a world in which most people don't want to come to the office 40 or 50 or 60 hours a week because they have discovered the joys of being able to do great work from home. My clients who have made their decision about where their company stands on those issues and communicated those decisions clearly and consistently to their employees have retained great people. They've lost a couple folks who would prefer to work in a manner different from the way the company expects them to work. But it's that clarity and consistency that allows organizations to navigate through these periods of massive change. And and that's just our job as, as leaders. And EOS doesn't have anything. EOS is just a framework for doing that better. It doesn't fix any of this stuff. It just reminds the leadership team what their job is more regularly. And so my clients are on top of these things because they're better at solving issues they have time set aside for solving issues. They have tools for solving issues. And they don't let issues linger for days, weeks, months, even
0: years. I've got more questions for you, Mike, but we'll uh, take a little breather at the moment. I'm here with Mike Payton. Uh, stay tuned to Race Game, BFM 89.9. Benchmark
1: for Managers, BFM 89.9.
0: Good morning. This is Frida Liu. You're listening to Race Your Game. I'm speaking to Mike Payton and he'll be Malaysia speaking at the EO Taipan Masterclass themed Challenge to the Storm brought to you by EO Malaysia from March 15 to 17. You know, we're talking about the EOS model in dealing with business owners across the globe. Does culture and local nuances make a difference?
1: Certainly. It certainly makes a difference for the way a person like me needs to facilitate the gelling and bringing together of a leadership team. The definition of respectful and disrespectful behavior, for example, in every region or country or even areas of countries in the United States, there are dozens and dozens of very distinct personality profiles that you need to navigate around. But at the end of the day, we do believe that within your cultural norms, you and your team working together to strengthen these six key components needs to happen at the pace and using the style that works for you. And so a great example I'll give you is of a company headquartered in France, where it is very difficult, not just culturally, but legally. To deal with an employee who doesn't want to come to work every day, isn't comfortable meeting or exceeding the expectations of the organization. And so a lot of people in France who run businesses will say, well, I don't think this system is going to work for me because I can't deal with the people who don't fit my culture or aren't great at their jobs. But there are business owners in France who say, I might have to work a little harder and wait a little longer to solve those issues. But that doesn't mean I should just turn a blind eye to the fact that I'm spending payroll dollars on someone who isn't paying a return on my investment. And so as long as you're patient and willing to work within the cultural or legal framework, your country or region allows for you. EOS can be a very helpful tool. It just changes the approach from time to time.
0: Right. What happens when a business owner comes to you and he or she says, I've reached a ceiling. Does it always come from the point of revenues? Absolutely not. In fact, I would say
1: of all the reasons people come to me, it's rarely we aren't growing fast enough. I would actually say most of my clients come to me because they feel they're growing too fast. Mm. And I don't know if culturally this statement is appropriate or used in Malaysia or Southeast Asia at all, but I have a great client that worked with me for many years, probably 10 years ago, and he and his good friend had started this business. They were very young men and And he said, you know, we used to be great friends. And now I'm worried if we don't get this tiger by the tail under control, we are going to hate one another. And so their ceiling was their relationship was beginning to fracture. And the issue was they were growing like weeds. It couldn't fulfill orders fast enough. It was an online retail company. And uh, so it's much more common the other way.
0: Right. Back to people.
1: Please. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. There is a recurring theme here, Frida.
0: (laughs) Okay. Now, before hitting the ceiling, right, beyond what you just mentioned, beyond revenues, are there signs that entrepreneurs should be aware of? Because it'd be so easy for the two of them to ignore it, especially if they're growing revenue-wise.
1: Yeah. You know, one of the things I talk about, I spend a lot of time with founding entrepreneurs. And Most of them, when they reach out to me, feel like they've lost their passion for the business. Right. They used to be enthused. They were very proud of what they had built. Going to the office was kind of a highlight in their day or going to the plant or or getting online or doing coding or whatever it was that motivated you to start the business. It was a highlight. And then what I would say to everybody listening is the minute you start feeling that passion begin to wane, first of all, it's a sign you've been successful because what's happened is your company has grown beyond you being the key thing that makes that company successful. And your job has now changed from someone who does whatever it takes to make sure the customers are happy, the employees are satisfied and engaged, and there's money in the bank to a person whose job is really full-time orchestra conductor, right? Keeping all the moving. It's a completely different job. And the minute your passion begins to wane, what you realize is you don't love and maybe aren't great at keeping the trains running on time. You really Mm -hmm. loved and were great at inventing something or building something from scratch or doing something you're, fellow entrepreneurs told you was never possible. And the minute you start believing that it's not possible to achieve what you want from the business, you're about to hit a ceiling and you should probably reach out and see what you can do to get some help.
0: And it's probably about getting a new vision, Well, most of the time,
1: it's just taking the time to do things that didn't really matter and weren't particularly important in the early days of your business. In the early days of your business, you have to sell something to someone who values what you offer. You have to take great care of them. Sometimes that's building a product, delivering a service, hand-holding your customer, and you need to build infrastructure in your business to make sure the whole thing doesn't rely on you and you alone. Those three things are hard enough in and of themselves. But then when you get to the point where you've got 10 or 40 or 100 people, it's a totally different ballgame. And most of us wake up one day, those of us who are have an entrepreneurial background, we woke up one day and we went, holy buckets, I am running a company. And I didn't, I don't have any classical training in how to run a company. I don't really like running a company. <laughs> that <laughs> happens all the time. And so nobody does anything wrong that gets right. them to hit the ceiling. It's just inevitable when you're building a growing organization. Right.
0: This question, do women and men entrepreneurs differ in the way they approach business?
1: For sure. <laughs> for, for sure. In fact,
0: <laughs> I, I'm book.
1: going to show you I know your listeners can't see this. I'll show you a plaque that my wife gave me for Christmas. (laughs) It says, it says (laughs) behind every great man is a woman rolling her eyes. So, so I, I candidly believe women are a little more patient a little more thoughtful. And for the record, please throw out the word little. I'm just saying that so I don't offend every male listener to your show. Yes, there are different styles. I see great male leaders. I see great female leaders. I see great leaders of every size, shape, color, creed. Great leadership and management is great leadership and management. But there are some gender differences that are somewhat noticeable. And quite frankly, You know, I don't want to get myself in trouble for saying this, but men have it easier than women. Mm. And they have for centuries. And uh, and I think that's beginning to change. And I'm really happy that's beginning to change. And I I use the word beginning on purpose. Mm. Okay, we got work to do.
0: Right. Okay. so you'll be here in a couple of days. Mm -hmm. Why should entrepreneurs attend the Taipan Masterclass, whether you're a newbie or an experienced entrepreneur?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. So um, number one, I'm going to spend a full day sharing tools, techniques, concepts that will help you get consistently better results in your business and feel better about your life. And it doesn't matter whether you're a super experienced entrepreneur or somebody who's in the first couple quarters of of a startup venture, It also doesn't matter if you're an experienced user of EOS. I've got longtime clients of mine, people who have worked with me for five or seven or eight years that come see me do a talk. And they come up afterwards to me and say, Peyton, why didn't you ever tell us that before? And I've literally told them 80 times what I taught in my workshop or my talk. And so you're going to learn some new stuff. You're going to hear something for the first time in a way that resonates with you. And for the really experienced members of the audience, I think it's a great opportunity for you to teach your fellow entrepreneurs what you've learned from experience, because that's a big part of a workshop is when an audience member asks a question, I get to say to the audience, has anybody ever had any experience with that? And then you're sharing your personal experiences and and helping other entrepreneurs get better and nothing could be better than that.
0: Right, well, I look forward to seeing you in person. Mike Payton will be in KL from March 15 to 17, speaking at EO Taipan's 2023 event, Challenge the Storm. And you can learn more about this at eotaipan.com slash masterclass slash 2023. You've been listening to Race Your Game. I'm Frida Liu, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.